All right. Hey, good morning. Oh, so great to see you. Great to be here. It's a fantastic day. Welcome to South Hills Riverside. As uh, Ozzy was just saying, if you're a guest this morning, we're so glad you're here, man. And um, ultimately, no matter who you are, uh, our mission, our goal, like we don't have any ulterior motives. We just put it right out there uh, in front. Believe that God is to hide it. Um, our, our, the whole reason we exist is uh, because we just believe that God is uh, just crazy about you, that he passionately loves you. And uh, our whole goal is to try to get you uh, uh, to, to step into relationship with the God who loves you and the one who created you. And so, man, no matter what you went through this week, no matter what's coming up this next week, uh, we just want you to know no matter what, um, that God is for you, that he loves you. And uh, what, a, what a great, what a great um, time that we had uh, just singing about that a few minutes ago. Hey, before we dive into the scriptures this morning, a couple of announcements I want to share with you. Uh, this coming Friday night, we've been talking about it for about th two or three weeks. Um, it's our guys night um, that's coming up. It's at our Corona campus. It's going to be awesome. So um, I have uh, a handful of tickets left. And, um, and so if you have one, uh, I'm sorry, if you want to go, don't have one, uh, just hit me up. I'd love for you to be able to join us. Um, no cost. Um, I, I just bought a, a bank of them and would love uh, to just uh, hang out with you on Friday night. And so there's going to be tons of food. There's going to be a car show, all kinds of great stuff. There's going to be some go-karts and uh, lots, of, lots of great stuff that um, all guys will enjoy no matter who you are. And so it's really from junior high through adults. And so uh, dads, if you have a junior high son or high school son, um, please join me and my son, and uh, we're going to have a great time. So um, this, this, this Friday night. Also, um, coming up next month is Family Month, and that is one of our biggest, uh, biggest um, movements, biggest emphasis here at our church. And uh, every October, we spend time to talk about relationships and family. Uh, we also spend a lot of time having lots of fun. We throw a lot of parties on Sundays. Um, and because it, it's a really great opportunity for you to uh, connect with someone, invite friends, invite family, invite coworkers, invite your neighbors. They, they may not normally come to church. They might be opposed to, to, to coming normally, but um, they, they may be willing to come um, hear about family or come uh, to one of our parties. And so uh, it's a great opportunity for you to bring people and also to invest in your own family because uh, as great as you are and you are great and you're smart and uh, you are, you know, you, you have uh, relationships in your life, we can all grow and get better and uh, that's really what Family Month is all about. And then finally, um, if you're interested in baptism and getting baptized or you're just interested in even finding out what that means, um, we actually have two of our next steps that Ozzy was talking about that are coming up next month. Um, we're going to do baptisms and Discover. Uh, Discover is really a, a great experience in terms of uh, getting a foundation of what we're about as a church and, uh, and learning and growing and really taking those next steps and getting connected and involved here. And so uh, both baptisms and a Discover are going to be happening next month. And um, so we'd love for you to, to sign up, get connected. Uh, if you have questions about either of those things, you can see any of our volunteers that are at the Connect table. Um, or you can talk to me afterwards. And uh, what we'll do, uh, since we have a few weeks before either of them are going to be happening, is we'll just take your information. We'll connect with you this week through email um, or text and, and begin to get you all the information you need and start answering questions. We'll also have... Um, uh, informational meetings about both of those things uh, coming up next month before we get there. So we'd love to have you uh, join us for those things. Um, all right. 
we have been in a series called Love Where You Live, and, and, and I, I was thinking this week, we, we all have a handful of moments that really impact us and change us, moments that, that shift our perspective, that redefine our reality, that ultimately that experience changes our behavior. Um, guys, I don't know if you remember when you were growing up, but you remember when you first became aware of girls, that they weren't just other kids, like they, they, were, they were something special, right? Like I don't know if you remember that. Like one day, she's just your friend's sister, but the next day, it's like completely different, right? And she turns her head, and her hair moves in slow motion, and angels are singing, and light shines down, and somehow Bruno's Mars is singing, you know? It's like, girl, you're amazing, just the... And you're just like, oh my God, what's going on? Uh, but it, it changes you. Like, it, you just, like from that moment forward, it just shifts your perspective. And somewhere about that same point in life, ladies, like you thought you knew what love was, but then you met him. You met him, and you, you know who I'm talking about. And, and, and you maybe even didn't meet him. You just became aware of him because he was a guy on a show somewhere. But like you just, you fell in love and he was so dreamy and he was different from all the other guys. And he really wasn't that different from all the other guys. But you thought he was <laughs> because he had, he was able, because he just kept his mouth shut. But as soon as he opened his mouth, you realize he was just like all the other guys. But he was the one and you never knew that love could unlock your soul and overwhelm you like that. But it just did. And life was never the same. Or, or, or the moment where your heart was broken by said individual. Or, or, or how about parenting, right? Nothing can prepare you for parenting if you're a young couple and you think you know. Even when you think you're ready and you like go through all the steps to prepare your life. And you've been together and you've built a life and you're getting ready. You think you know and you think you're ready, but you're not. And then they pee on you, and they poop on you, and they puke on you, and sometimes all three at the same time. And you're not prepared for the sleep deprivation. You're not prepared for all the diapers. You're just not prepared for any of it. And, and even like for us, uh, my daughter, she, um, her name's Kaylee. She's working in our tech booth, and, um, and she's our second child. And, um, and I remember when she was a baby, so like we, again, we had already had, we already had our son, and so we thought like we were, we were down, and for somehow, like I don't, I can't explain it, but Kaylee was born angry, and, um, and it's like even as like an infant, like we would swaddle her and hold her, and, kept, and, and Jaron, who was our oldest son, like he just would snuggle up and nuzzle, and we'd do that, and he'd fall asleep, and and like Kaylee acted like we had put her in prison when we would swaddle her. And so she was just like. <laughs> and then she would open her eyes and she would lock eyes and she would just have rage in her. Like I didn't even know it was possible. I was like, oh, demon baby. You know, I was like, no, just kidding, sweetheart. I love you. Um, but she's, she's amazing. Like she's the apple of my eye. But it was like I was not prepared. Like. I thought I knew babies, but even after having one, like, I just didn't, I just didn't know. Um, and, and it's amazing being a parent, but it's also overwhelming. Or maybe for you, your first child was really compliant and mellow. And so you assumed it was, it was because you were such an amazing parent. But then you had a second child and you realized, like, no, you're not as good at this as you thought you were. Uh, but, but it just completely 
changes and rocks your world. Have you ever had a moment like that? A a defining moment that shifted your life? And, And some of them truly, like we have experiences that have very little impact on our lives. But at other times, our lives can almost be divided into two parts. Where it was before that moment and then after. And we all have those kinds of of moments of experiences in our lives, don't we? I mean, times where we're awakened to some new truth or some new reality. And it it happens a lot to us in in our faith experience. In fact, if you're a Jesus follower, it's one of those moments that brought you to the point of faith, right? Like the moment that your eyes were opened to your need for Jesus, the moment that, that God became real to you, the moment that you opened your heart to him, that you opened your life to him, like that was this incredible shift in your life. Or the, or the moment maybe is the moment to, that you decided to get baptized or the moment that church really began to matter to you. The moment that we really began to sense that God was speaking to us through the scriptures, that it wasn't just some ancient book, that God was actually speaking to us through it. That, that, that these moments are a huge part of what God does for us and in us. And, and the truth is that from the time that we step into relationship with God through Jesus Christ, he resets the boundaries over and over and over again of what life looks like and what is actually possible. He begins to reshape and redefine what life looks like, our priorities and what is possible. One of those moments happened for me when I read the story when it first started. Where when Jesus was born and lived and then sacrificed himself, died on a cross, was buried, then rose again and then ascended into heaven. So it's after all of that happened and his followers are trying to figure this out. And out of that movement, a church is born. The, the movement of Jesus begins, this church. And, and I want to read to you the story of that. Um, because it's captured, uh, to me, it's so compelling. It's captured my imagination ever since I read it for the first time. And it's found in Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 42. <clears throat> if you have a Bible, please feel free to turn you know, on your app or whatever. You're, if you're, like, you're going old school and you're carrying a physical Bible, that's awesome. Um, there's nothing like that. Uh, you can flip to Acts 2 or you can just uh, follow along on the screen if you like. So Acts 2.42, it says this. said, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place, and they shared everything they had. And they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. And they worshiped together at the temple each day and they met in homes for the Lord's Supper and they shared meals with great joy and generosity and all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. I I, I love this. At the very beginning of the church, you find things like devotion. It says they were devoted to God. They were devoted to one another. You find wonder and awe at the shocking and beautiful things that were happening. When the church first started, it had the type of feeling and produced the kind of experience for people that would redefine life for them. 
Can you imagine that? Like from the moment people connected to it, there was just something about the experience that they were just like, I don't know what this is. I'm not even sure I believe in God. I'm not even sure about all of us. Something is happening here that cannot be explained, that cannot be defined. And, and it shifted how they saw themselves, how they saw each other, and ultimately how they saw God. It wasn't just some place that you went for a couple of hours on Sunday. It was, it was something you became. People stumbled into it and they got a taste of something that they'd never had before, but that they'd been looking for all their lives. Peace and belonging and love and hope and family and Jesus. Listen, I think some of us have heard or read this story so many times, like we no longer see the magic in it. We're no longer captivated by it, but that's exactly what church was. The church should be the place that when people connect to it, they somehow know that they found their way home. They should, they, even if they, no matter what they believe, that they just have this sense, I've found my place. But how did it get there, right? So you might, you, you might know that Jesus had 12 disciples that followed him around. They helped him. And they were usually the main focus of who he was teaching. And, and, and the church that they would have gone to um, at that time was the Jewish tabernacle because, well, because they were Jewish. Yep, yeah, that, that, that makes sense, right? But here's the thing. When you went to the tabernacle, it was a very specific experience. There were rituals and the priest would talk to God for you. He would offer a sacrifice on your behalf. Sinners would stand at a distance. And if you don't believe me, just read through some of the New Testament. And read through some of the stories that Jesus tells. And it wasn't at all what God... It started out being one thing, but it morphed into something different. And it wasn't at all what God had intended. And there was this really strong sense. I mean, like this might be hard to wrap your head around, but just imagine with me, if you could, that when they would go to church, there was this strong sense of insiders versus outs. Can you just imagine a place like that that was so divided that there were insiders and outs? I know it's hard to imagine. But those, those were, those were, they were kind of like religious professionals, and then there was everybody else. So Jesus' last instructions weren't to figure out to, to his followers. It wasn't for them to figure out a way to get everybody in the world who they could convince that, that, he was the Lord, that, he was, that he was the Son of God. It wasn't to try to get them all to come to Jerusalem to go to the temple so they could experience God. Nope. What he told his disciples to do was to start in Jerusalem and to take what they had experienced with, with them into the whole world. So the disciples took the temple or the church experience that they were used to and they basically were like, hey, let's revamp this a little. Let's mix it up. Let's, let's start something new. Let's use some of the best parts of temple life, but let's try some new things. Let's make this something where everyone is welcome, where everyone is equal. Let's enjoy God, ourselves, and the people around us. But it wasn't just about what they ex had experienced together at church. Because as we read above and just a, a, few, a few minutes ago, in the beginning of the church, there was a lot of teaching and worship and prayer and fellowship and connection. But there was also a lot of sharing and giving and sacrificing and serving. Of seeing the needs in the world and the community around them and actually taking action to meet those needs. 
When I, when I was reading this story in Acts this week, I, I couldn't help but notice that God wants to expand our field of vision beyond ourselves and beyond our walls. He, he wants to, to, to expand the scope of what we actually see when we live. The, the early, they, didn't exclu- they didn't seclude themselves from their community. They moved and they took action. There was motion to their devotion. It wasn't stagnant or stationary. By the way, a little, little like uh, inside tip, pastors love to rhyme. And we love alliteration. And so, like, you don't believe me, just listen to whoever you listen to or whatever church you want to go to. I promise you, at one point in their message, they will rhyme something and they will use lots of alliteration. And so from now on, I'm going to rhyme the rest of my message. It'll be like Dr. Seuss. <clears throat> now, I, I don't know um, if, you've, if you've noticed this or not, but kids can naturally kind of be self-absorbed. Anybody ever noticed that? Yeah. Yesterday, um, some of the campus pastors from South Hills and, and uh, a couple of other people, including my son Jaron, they did the, there was a triathlon um, down at Camp Pendleton, and so a bunch of us were down there, and, and um, we took our whole family, and we're cheering everybody on, and cheering him on, and, and it was a lot of fun, and I have a three-year-old and an eight-year-old, and there was a lot of sitting around waiting, and just a lot of just downtime which you know is difficult for little kids and so we brought along their movie players and they were watching because we're still old school like we still have like the dvd movie players like i know it's like what is this the olden days like so they're sitting there and they're watching their little movie player and they have their blankets over their heads and there's people all around and they're watching it so this they could see it from the sun and my three-year-old there's some people sitting on these bleachers like two feet away from them um and, um, and he like pulls, and everybody's just kind of hanging out talking, and he pulls the blanket open, and he goes, uh, excuse me, guys, um, could you just shut your mouths for a few minutes, please, so I can watch my movie? And he put the blanket back, and, um, and I gave him a high five because he said please. So I was like, yep, way to goose your good manners there, buddy, when you're going to be rude to perfect strangers. So we're pretty much winning as parents, you know, when you're a three-year-old. And so, no, I'm like, hey, buddy. And so I had to, like, talk him through it, and he had to apologize to them. And, but, but look, that, that, all he could think about was, like, hey, there's a lot of noise here. I'm trying to watch a movie. Could you guys just pipe down a little bit? Because that's how we are from the moment we're born, right? All, all babies can think about is their own needs. They are the center of the universe. And the truth be known is it's normal, it's natural. In fact, at the beginning, it's necessary for survival and for our growth. But as we grow, that should change, right? And when it doesn't, we notice. When we see someone who's grown and they're self-absorbed and self-focused, they can't see when they're the center of the universe. Like we just kind of shake our heads. And the truth is, is if they don't grow, if we don't change, the inability to see the world around us will eventually limit our growth and damage our relationships. And when you first show up here and you first have an experience with Jesus, the truth is, is quite normally and quite naturally, it's all about you. But as you begin to step into faith and begin living out the, lot, the life that God invites you into, God begins immediately pressing against you to expand your vision beyond you. Which is exactly what happened in Acts chapter 2. See, we, we naturally have an us focus, but God is always leading us to a them focus. 
Right? We're naturally like our thing, our church, our preferences, our style of music, the, the, the volume, I like it, our experience. But God's going, what about your friends? What about your neighbors? What about your city? Because I, I love them and I died for them and I want them to know that I love them. He, he wants to expand your field of vision, but he also, he also wants to broaden the sphere of your concern. So there's this story a, a few chapters later from where we read, we, we read in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 10, there's this story where God is trying to get Peter, uh, who's one of the disciples, to see that, that Jesus didn't just come for the Jews, but that he came for the whole world. And so there's this non-Jew named Cornelius, and he's really searching for God. And, and, but the disciples still had moments where they were so focused on themselves that God decides to, to put one of them, Peter, into a trance to send him to Cornelius. Like that, he's like, I gotta like, I, I gotta like put you to sleep so I can speak to you so you'll sit still long enough to listen to what I'm saying to send you to this guy. Right? And while God is showing him what he wants him to do, and while God is telling him, Peter, this is what I want you to do, Peter responds to God and basically says, like, what you're asking me, God, goes against my religion. Can you imagine, in a moment, being so convinced that God is speaking to you? I know you're God and all. God but what you want me to do really goes against what I believe. What? What? But listen, if I'm being honest, the painful truth is that I've hidden behind my faith to keep from doing what I know God wants me to do too. I, I know you'd never do anything like that, but I know other people have said things like, we have spiritual language for it. We go, well, I'll pray about it. Or I'm not, I'm not sure that's my gifting. Or it's not really the right season for me. Because in the church, we're the only ones that use the word season for some reason to talk about our life. I'm not really feeling led to do that. Those are all code words for that's probably something that would be good for me to do, but I really don't want to do it. So I'm just going to be like, it's against my religion. The truth is, when we reconnect the church to the community, it makes Christ relatable to the real world. And I say reconnect because that's the way that it started out when you read Acts 2. Somewhere along the way, the church, the movement of Jesus, we lost the plot, right? I, I want you to listen to the way that John, one of the other guys who was there at the beginning, one of the other disciples, one of the other in, like, inner circle of Jesus along with Peter and James, listen to the way he describes it in 1 John chapter 1. Verses 1 and 2, he says this. He says, We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. And we saw him with our own eyes, and we touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us, and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life life 
He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. Look, he's going, this thing that we're talking about, it's not just a belief system. It was real and tangible. It was a person. We saw him. We touched him. It was events. It was real experiences. It's not just an idea. There was substance there. That's what he's saying. I'm in the middle of teaching my daughter to drive, and um, I taught Jaron to drive a couple years ago, and it's one thing to study a book about driving, to take and pass a test about driving, to understand how a car works and all the rules of the road, but it's something different when you get in the driver's seat, when you feel that gas pedal, when you take hold of the wheel, all of a sudden, it's real. It, it's an experience that you can see and feel and taste and touch, and you can experience it, and it's kind of scary when you're training teenagers to drive. And we've all had those moments where something was being described for us. Something, somebody was telling us about something and it sounded great. But then you experienced it for yourself and it changed everything. And it could have just been something with some food thing or some idea or some show or some experience. When, when you didn't just hear about it, but you could see it and touch it and experience it for yourself. It changed everything. That's what John is talking about happened for them. And listen, here's the kicker. He says that Jesus was revealed to them because what he's saying is it's one thing to know something, but it's another thing to know it. And we don't just know this, we know it. Jesus didn't just talk about God's love. He demonstrated it. We saw it. We felt it. And he says, look... The way we live, the way he taught us to live, and the way we love is the way he taught us to love, and he was revealed to us. We're not just trying to win you over to some philosophy or religious structure. We're committed to passing it on to you in a way that you can see and touch and experience as well. See, John understood that the challenge of faith a faith in that which cannot be seen or touched. And so he echoed what Jesus said. And that is the way that we love and serve the world together as Jesus followers, as Christians. It makes the invisible God visible. When we serve the world around us, Jesus becomes tangible and visible. They can touch him and see him and experience him through us. That's why all of the language in the New Testament calls us his body. That's why, because we're materializing an invisible God. See, God wants to expand our field of vision and broaden our responsibility. But he also wants to deepen our burden of responsibility. Can I just tell you something? Somewhere someone is praying and asking God for help for a sign to show them that he loves them or that he's just real. And you and me are the answers to those prayers. Our city is waiting on us to step into who God has made us to be to see beyond our bubble, to love beyond what's comfortable, to take responsibility enough to join together 
to serve our city. I mentioned Discover One a little while ago. In Discover One, one of the things we talk about is um, there's a section of Discover One called our family code. It's like our values here. And, and um, one, one of our core values here is that we're committed to being the first to serve and the last to be served. The truth is, is that there's only so much you can learn from a message inside a worship service like this. The reality is that so many of the things that God wants to show you, so many of the things that God wants to do in your life, they won't happen when you're worshiping. Great things happen when you worship. They won't happen when you're listening to a sermon. Great things happen can happen when you're listening to a sermon. They, they, may, they won't even happen when you're praying. Amazing things happen when you pray. But there's some things that God wants to do in your life and show you that will only happen in your life when you sacrifice and love and serve. When you're doing life in a faith community that's committed to being an active force for good, for the love of God and the world around it, there are some things you will only experience that way. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, can I just tell you something that you know but that's uncomfortable? Is that the church, it's not here to meet our needs. We are the church and we are here to meet the needs of the world. Now guess what? When we're part of a community that's doing just that, this is the brilliance of what Jesus left for us. This is the, this is the brilliance of God. When we join ourselves to a faith community that's doing that thing, in the process, our needs get met. When we go to seek out a place that will meet our needs, we will constantly be dissatisfied. We'll constantly move from group to group, from church to church, from experience and ministry. Like we will constantly just be moving around to try to find that place. But when we put down roots, as we talked about in week one, when we, make a, make, when we decide this is my community, this is where I'm going to choose. I'm not, I'm not trying to love somewhere I, I wish I lived. I'm here. I'm going to love where I live. I'm going to be a part of this. That this is something. I'm, when, we give our, when we begin to give ourselves away together that God begins to pour into our life. And we begin to have all of our own needs met. It's so counterintuitive. But it's exactly the way that God designed us. This is one of those like mind-blowing, game-changing, defining moments. We gotta get this, you guys. I, I love, I was telling the, the huddle this morning, like a bunch of you have been sacrificially serving in all kinds of ways this week. Like we had incredible serve projects this last week. It was so awesome. Loving people in, in teachers and in schools and, and fire stations and first responders and a big group of people were out at Mount Rubidoux yesterday because there's tons of people that walk that trail, hike the trail on Saturdays and just handing out water and, and, and just telling people like, hey, like there's, there's a church here that we love you, that, you're, that you matter to God, you matter to us. And, and then like just so many experiences and conversations like I love this church in fact we talked about this last week like if you didn't get a chance to be a part of that there's still some stuff on here that you can do friday night 
um, we went out with a group of, of people from our church and the only objective was to hit up places where people are hanging out. Um, I guess it was maybe Thursday night actually. And um, where they were just getting some food and, and, and you know, or, or buying something to drink. And we just went out to hang out, buy their food for them, buy their coffee for them. No strings attached, no catch, no like ulterior motives. And it was so awesome. Like we had so many incredible, amazing conversations with people. And, and, and many of you know, like many of you know a little bit of our story and we've been through some really deep, dark, ugly stuff in the last few years and, and been on a journey where God is slowly um, healing us and our family and the, from some of the stuff we've been through. And when I, but, but here's what I want you to hear. When I laid my pillow, when I ha- laid my head on my pillow Friday night, it, it hit me just how healing those few hours were for me after we got a chance to just be out and just love people and do things for them and, and talk with them and just it, it just it hit me how healing it was and the truth is is that you become whole by helping other people heal we experience God when we help others experience him I know it's not intuitive right but like we we think I, I just can't get caught up in someone else's pain or drama or mess right now I got enough problems of my own but I'm just telling you that God's design says otherwise see God's strategy for meeting the needs of the world God's strategy for reaching it with his love is you and me he's gone all in there's no backup plan there's no plan b it's you and me and I believe this with all of my heart we have no business inviting people in here if we aren't willing to go and serve them out there no matter who you are no matter like how you walked in this morning no matter what you believe about God the truth is is that he's wanting to redefine some things recategorize some things reprioritize some things in your heart and in your life this morning to reshape in your mind what's possible and what he has done for you see I, I think the context when we read in Acts chapter 2 and we, we, re, we read that there were miraculous and wondrous things that were happening when, when you read the stories of the New Testament, that sacrifice was always the context for God doing the miraculous. It always was. And, and, and I just, I, I, I wonder if it's possible that we miss out on so much of the awe. We miss out on so much of the, like, God, you're so incredible. I didn't even see that coming. I don't even know how you did I wonder if it's possible that we miss out on all of that simply because we've shut ourselves off to God's invitation to join him in his conspiracy to love the world. Some of the things that I, I think that God wants to have a conversation with us about, and maybe for you, the conversation is simply about opening your heart to him. Because he loves you and he knows you and you may not know it but you were made to live in relationship with him and he's been pursuing you with his love and trying to bring you back to him 
Don't let another day pass. Let today be that day. There's no magic formula. There's no trick. There's nothing special just because the lights are off or whatever. Like, there's nobody's trying to manipulate you or anything like that. It's just simply that God loves you and he's reaching out to you. And this is a great moment in, in, um, amongst a lot of people who would just be pulling for you to go, yes, open your heart to God. Again, in just a few minutes, we're going to pray together. And I, I'm just going to invite you to pray along with me. That's all. And that you would invite him in you would open your heart and for the rest of us maybe what God is wanting to do in you and through you and speak to you about is far more practical it may just be a matter of him trying to move you out of a comfort zone that you've found because make no mistake we all are seeking out comfort zones that's what we do we're comfort zone seeking machines and God is wanting to move us out of those places of comfort to begin to connect together, to join our lives together with the people around us and begin to make a difference in our city. And that, that's, that's, that's the goal of this, of everything we're doing here. The party, I mean, it's great. We love having fun. All that stuff's great. But ultimately, it's about people experiencing God's love, them finding what we've found. And so it's possible that God just wants to put some motion to your devotion. For him to, that he's inviting you. And he's trying to expand how you see. He's trying to deepen your responsibility, your burden. The scope of what you can see and feel and experience. Let's pray together. God, um, what, what an incredible story that we read in Acts 2. It wasn't perfect. God, we keep reading and we read stories of conflict and as they were just human beings trying to figure it out. But what they were radically committed to was this idea that Jesus had come, that they had experienced him, that there was something tangible and substantive to it. It wasn't just an idea or philosophy or religious box to check. But because they had seen you and touched you and known you, because they had seen love demonstrated, because they had learned to live and to love from you, they were compelled to create something that looked like that. Lord, may, may we never be guilty of inviting people to have faith in something that they can't see or touch or experience. But that the way that we love, the way that we love one another, the way that we experience church together on Sunday mornings when we gather together as your church, the way that we are the church when we leave this building and we join together to serve, to meet the needs of the world around us, God, the way that we live that out, there's, there's, there's just tangibility to it that people can see and touch. And it's undeniable. Whether they believe or not that there's something undeniable for them. That they know that there's something there. God, thank you so much for the incredible people in here who have been 
serving and sacrificing all this week and God the numbers of people who sacrifice and serve regularly and but Lord I, I my heart my goal my prayer is that that would be who we become as a church it wouldn't just be a select few but it would be all we'd go all in Lord thank you for loving us for those that are sitting here this morning and today the step the thing you're leading them to this faith is inviting you in Lord in this moment in the quietness of this moment would you begin to whisper to them God, that you would overwhelm them with your love and as they block out all of the other noise and just focus in on what you're saying to them. In this moment, as, you op as they open their heart to you, that they would just invite you to come in and that you would come rushing in with grace and truth and new life. God, thank you so much for your love. Put put motion to all the devotion in our lives this week. Put some action to our faith. In your name we pray.